What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. Blog Talk Radio. Behind everything that is great, there is a great mind, a mastermind. Get ready for the Fantasy Football Mastermind Ed. The definitive fantasy football information show. Your host, fantasy football mastermind, Michael Mazurak, has more than two decades of fantasy football experience, comprehensive fantasy football information, strategy, and trading advice, fantasy picks to click and flick, the latest NFL news, and much, much more. Each week during the fantasy football season on Blog Talk Radio. Remember, there's no bragging rights for finishing second. Here's your host of the Fantasy Football Mastermind Edge, Michael Nazarak. Welcome to the show, everybody. It is August 25th, 2020. We're reaching the home stretch of the preseason. Yes, there is going to be an NFL season, people. My name is Michael Nazarak. I'm host of the Fantasy Football Mastermind Edge podcast. Fantasy Football Mastermind can be found online at ffmastermind.com. And with me once again, because we've got no technical issues this time, fingers crossed, moving forward, that is, my very good friend and very experienced fantasy player, Chris Rito. How are you doing tonight, Chris? Really well. I just wish you wouldn't have tempted the hands of fate by saying we've got no technical issues. I mean, we've still got a good half hour to get through. Let's not, let's uh, that's not right. I know. I'm, I'm crossing my fingers. <laughs> hey, so let's get right to the today. news and notes and hey. get into this. Yes? Big, I said a big shout-out to my wife today. She's let me do the podcast. It's actually her birthday today. That's a keeper right there. Let me talk about football when I should be spending time with her. <laughs> well, yes. The, it, happy birthday to her from, from me and my family. And, I'm yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm surprised, actually. I did not know that. <laughs> so I'm lucky to have you. Okay, let's get right to it. Uh, um, we're not, unfortunately, people, we're not talking about preseason games because there's no preseason going on, of course, during the pandemic. However, we can talk about the key developments that are going on in practices around uh, the country and with all the teams and all. And up in New England, we've got several things to talk about. Our first thing I want to talk about is the developing chemistry between Cam Newton and Julian Edelman. Uh, apparently, Julian Edelman's been clearly the number one wide receiver in camp so far in terms of talent and such. That's not really come, come as a surprise. But the fact is that he's really developing uh, quick chemistry. Uh, they're getting on the same page with Cam Newton. In fact, Julian Edelman just—I'm not sure if you watch, uh, if you catch things on Twitter—but uh, Julian Edelman just <laughs> posted a picture of of himself with Cam Newton. Basically, their heads on the on the body of Cam was on on his head was on the body of Superman, and, and Julian Edelman's head was on on the body of Batman. So apparently, Julian thinks that uh, that he's think uh, that he's the Batman to Cam Newton, Superman. Of course, we all know Cam Newton likes to, you know, flex his muscles as Superman and all. But I think things are looking really good in camp there. Uh, um, the other quarterback uh, that's, uh, that was uh, fighting Cam Newton, starting out, Jarrett Stidham, has got a hip injury. 
He's been very limited in camp. He's fitting by the wayside. It was very clear from the start that this is going to be Cam Newton's team, and they've adjusted the play calling and all uh, in terms of making this team, uh, centering it around what Cam Newton can and cannot do. Uh, so the question I have for you, Chris, is um, Julian Edelman and Cam Newton, uh, are they moving up your draft board? Are you, uh, are you thrilled about this, or are you possibly targeting them a little bit later in the draft, especially Cam Newton? You can get him way after the 10th round. What do you think? Well, Edelman is moving a little bit up my draft board. I was I just wanted to see where chemistry would develop, what the offense would look like in practice, just to make sure that I knew he was the best option, like you said. I just wanted to make sure that it looked like they were going to continue to use him a lot. Um, as far as Newton, he, he's not moving up my draft board at all. If you guys remember from my, our quarterback podcast a few weeks ago, I had him as, as a guy that was vastly underrated. I have him just on the cusp of being a quarterback one on my rankings that I can get as a, as a mid-range or even low quarterback, too, based on ADP. So Cam Newton hasn't moved. He's already been there for me. But I think a lot of people are starting to realize, hey, you know, this guy's actually going to start. There's not going to be a doubt. And uh, I think uh, he's not going to be as easy for me to get uh, in the uh, 15th round, like 14th round, like I was in some other drafts earlier this summer. Yeah, I think I agree with you there. Uh, you know, when we first uh, uh, saw that he signed with uh, the Patriots, we installed uh, Cam Newton. I think he's number 17 on my list. I'm going to just take a look at that and see if I can possibly maybe move him up a spot or two. But uh, you know, Edelman has always been somebody that I usually target, especially in the PPR leagues. Uh, it just so happens that so far he's not been available. He's been going a little bit earlier than I thought he would, and now he's maybe going about the same, about the right time. But, you know, we'll see where it's going on there. But there's a lot of changes going to go on with this team. There's obviously no uh, different quarterback this year. But also the running back situation, uh, Sony Michelle is – is still on the pup with his foot injury from last year, still recovering from that. And Lamar Miller, they signed, has not yet hit the, hit the practice field either because he's coming off that torn ACL. And in the meantime, second-year running back Damian Harris at Alabama, who I know very familiar with this, this kid, is very talented. He basically got a handful of carries all of last year. Well, he's been getting almost all the carries, all the important carries during the camps. And uh, the media has been saying, hey, he's the best running back on the team right now. Uh, and they, they, they're, they're hard-pressed to say that he wouldn't start, even if Michelle and or Lamar Miller were activated before week one. It looks like this might be Damian Harris's uh, a job to lose almost at this point. So, Chris, what, what do you think of Damian Harris? Is this somebody that you're going to target later on in your draft? Or, you know, he's going to start moving up the ADPs if this continues over the next week? Absolutely. And, in fact, in, in some of the leagues that have drafted early, he may have even gone undrafted because he was looking at being third down the depth chart uh, when, you, when we drafted perhaps three to four weeks ago. So, yeah, he's absolutely moving up. And I think you're right. He probably is the best running back currently on the roster, and he probably will start. However, for fantasy, especially in PPR leagues, like most of the things we talked about, James White is still the, the, the running back to own for this team, regardless of whether it's Lamar Miller, Sony Michelle, or, or Damian Harris back there. Yeah, I've also heard about Rex Burkhart. People are starting to move him up the list because he's going to catch some passes and play some some extra downs. Maybe if uh, if it's Harris back there along with White, but yeah, White is clearly the guy on third passing downs and third downs that's going to be in the in the in the in the game catching a lot of passes because McCaffrey counted a lot of passes from Cam Newton. So you know that's that's the way that's going to go. So uh, lots of changes in New England. We can move on over to Cincinnati, uh, where uh, people have been asking me about AJ Green. Well, how do I feel about him? Well, it would be 
be great if we could see him practice. You know, he got on the on the practice field once or twice, and then he uh, pulled a hamstring. Uh, and so he's been uh, sitting for the last week, week and a half or so. Well, he started running today, and now the head coach says that, hey, it looks like A.J. is going to hit the practice field tomorrow, Wednesday. Uh, so my question to you, Chris, is that uh, – is he on your draft board here? Are you avoiding him, or are you targeting him? What, how do you feel about A.J. Green this year? I'm probably more targeting him than avoiding him. I've got him rated as a, as a low two, maybe high three, depending on if it's a 10 or 12-team league. Um, so, but, but, but he has you know, wide receiver number one upside, certainly on any given week, and maybe even overall. His only knock the last few years has been, uh, as you said, staying healthy. As long as he's on the field, he puts up wide receiver number one numbers. There's no doubt about it. Um, and everyone else is going to play second fiddle in that offense, in the passing offense there. So my, I have bigger concerns, not only just his health, I have bigger concerns about the fact that, you know, developing timing with a new quarterback, which he hasn't had to do in, in some time, which is why I have him ranked as, again, a high three or a low two. And he's been pretty much going there. So I, I, I like him. I'm targeting him as like a number three if I can get him. I always like to try to get, you know, a low end number two as my number three, especially a guy with number one upside like A.J. Green has. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, well, uh, you know, uh, it's going to be interesting to see if he can get on the practice field here and he starts making plays and all, then, you know, his, his stocks are obviously going to go up. we still got two and a half uh, weeks or so, uh, almost three full weeks, actually, to week one uh, on that Sunday. But two and a half until the opening Thursday night, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. A couple of uh, kicker notes here. The Bears uh, reached out and signed veteran Cairo Santos, Eddie Pinero, their normal kicker. Uh, very low on our, our list here, but he's got a groin injury, so there might be a change there coming. Uh, Patriots signed Nick Folk because uh, Justin Rollwasser, uh <laughs> I attempted to say that name. Hopefully that's close. Uh, he's been uh, inconsistent in, at best in camp, so Folk, Nick Folk's going to be cam- uh, competing with uh, the rookie for that starting job, and we'll see what happens here in the next couple of weeks. Um, surprising news out of Baltimore, Ravens terminated contract of uh, safety Earl <laughs> Thomas after he uh, had a very ugly fight with a teammate. Um, in fact, the veteran players got together and talked to the coaches and uh, basically said, hey, uh, you know, we want Earl out of here. He's just not got the right type of attitude, which is kind of shocking to say the least. And they, and they couldn't trade him. Uh, you know, he made $22 million for his one year there, and now they said adios to him. Uh, Cowboys were rumored to be kind of interested in it, but Mike McCarthy, the new head coach over there, took a look at him and said, well, we'll think about it, but, you know, we're not going to reach out and, and, and sign him right now. So Earl Thomas is without a job, and, and uh, the Ravens are without a very good safety there, even though their unit is still a good unit. Okay, let's get right to the list of injuries before we get to our the, – this is the tight end show, of course. Tight end, PPR, tight ends. Uh, top 10 there. Okay, at quarterback, uh, I already mentioned Jared Stidham with the hip injury, very limited in practice. He's falling by the wayside, so you don't have to worry about him taking that job from uh, Cam Newton. It's going to be Cam Newton's job. Uh, Nick Chubb, good uh, news here in terms of the concussion. Last week he was not practicing. Well, he returned to practice, so he's good to go. Kenyon Drake was seen with a walking boot. They're not talking about whether it's a foot injury, an ankle, or whatever. They said just nicks and dings and whatever, the normal stuff. And In fact, Drake tweeted out that everything's good. I'm not, there's no, no concern here for week one, so everything looks good there right now. Uh, Melvin Gordon had a rib injury. He returned to practice on Monday, so he's looking good there. Uh, Rashard Penny with the torn ACL in the Seattle still on the active pup list. Looks like he might go to the reserve pup list. We'll keep an eye on that for you guys. And, of course, Daryl Henderson, a running, a running back with a hamstring injury for the Rams. Lots of people drafting him ahead of Malcolm Brown as, an, as a backup, uh, you know, for or, or the supposed backup to Cam Akers, the new rookie starter. I think it's going to be more of an RBB scene. I believe that Brown's already ahead of Henderson. Well, this is probably going to uh, – 
solidify that because it doesn't look like Henderson's going to be available to play. Maybe even into week one he might miss. So we'll see what happens with the Rams running backs there. And wide receiver moving to Tyreek Hill, hamstring. He returned to practice. He's good. DeAndre Hopkins, the hamstring uh, in Arizona. He returned to practice. Things are good there. Debo Samuel, they're still hoping he's on the NFI list with a foot injury, uh, a broken foot. He uh, is likely to miss a game or two, uh, but, you know, they're hoping that he'll avoid the uh, the, the uh, reserve NFI or the, or the uh, reserve pup and we'll put him on the list for six weeks. Let's, let's hope that that doesn't happen there. In, in uh, Pittsburgh, Deontay Johnson has a leg injury. He's missing practices. We'll keep an eye on that there. And over in 49erville, they just uh, talked about Brandon Iwike, uh, the uh, has a hamstring, the rookie. Very good camp. He's missing practice. They say he's out for the rest of, the, pri- of uh, the training camp, which is only another couple of weeks here. They're calling it a mild hamstring injury, but they say he should be good to go for week one. We'll keep an eye on there. 49ers have all kinds of injuries at a wide receiver. They're very thin there. In fact, they signed a, a table at Tavon Austin, J.J. Nelson. Those guys are getting uh, lots of reps there. One of them might make the team. Over in the Los Angeles Chargers, Mike Williams, his shoulder, he's expecting to miss two to four weeks with that shoulder injury, which means he might miss week one there, so keep an eye on that. Maybe downgrade him on the draft board. Brashard Perryman uh, has knee swelling for the Jets. That's not good. He sat practice Tuesday. He's expected to return on Saturday. Keep an eye on that. The Jets are very thin at wide receiver. Uh, T. Higgins, uh, good news, hamstring. Eh, he's back at practice for the Bengals. And Tyrell Williams has a torn labrum in his shoulder. He's going to try and play through that. Uh, I'm, I'm staying away from him. He had all kinds of problems with the plantar fasciae on his feet last year and struggled to play with that. I don't know how he's going to do it. Although apparently he said a couple of years ago he played through a torn labrum, so I know, but he wasn't a big uh, fantasy producer back then either, so keep it on that. And a couple other guys, Dallas Toder uh, with a thumb injury, uh, just a hairline uh, fracture there. He returned to practice. He's good. And unfortunately, bad news for my uh, IDP dynasty team with Steve Yerger, our IDP specialist, one of our rookies, Grant Delpit, uh, the safety in, for the Browns, he ripped in the Achilles. He's gone for the year. I've got to put him on IR, and uh, that's going to hurt the, uh, the, uh, the Browns' uh, secondary there. Anyway, fortunate good news here is that the COVID-19 list is down to only two players, and neither of them are big fantasy producers and such. So, you know, uh, they had a scare in the NFL this past Sunday uh, with a whole bunch of tests. 77 apparently had false positives in this one lab. They're calling it isolated contamination. It was kind of a good test run to get everything out of the system for the NFL. Hopefully this things like this won't happen again during the season because if it does, people are going to be, you know, pulled back and they won't be able to play with a false positive if things like this happen on a Saturday or Sunday morning. Uh, you know, let's hope that doesn't happen because it's going to ruin everything. It's going to ruin the fun for the fans and all and of course a lot of fantasy teams. So we hope that this something like this won't happen moving forward. Anyway, we'll be right back after this important message. You know you want to dominate your fantasy football league. Manage your teams with the assistance of the premier fantasy football information source, Fantasy Football Mastermind. Found on the web at ffmastermind.com, there's plenty of good free stuff, and the premium content will consistently give your teams the best chance to go all the way. President and CEO Michael Nazarek has 20 years' experience and just completed his fourth consecutive year as SI's expert league Super Bowl champ. Go to ffmastermind.com and check out their volumes of fantasy content, updated daily, which will give you the edge you need to legitimately claim. Redrafter, Dynasty, Keeper, Auction, Salary Cap, IDP, they cover them all with the best content available anywhere. Go now to ffmastermind.com. The longer you wait, the more great information you'll be missing. Okay, well, I'd be remiss if I didn't uh, mention, mention a very important sponsor of the site, uh, 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 
these guys, I play in their event every single year, and I've been fortunate to win almost $30,000. So we're talking about the Fantasy, Player, Fantasy Football Players Championship, myffpc.com. Whether you want to play in just a, a very basic league, $35 leagues, a 77, 150, 250, 500, 1,000, uh, their main events, 1,900, and uh, multiple teams, you can take two or $300 off there. Uh, and play in the main event for a chance to win $500,000. Uh, like I said, I play it in every year. I think this is the 11th or 12th year we've been playing in this event. They draft down here in Vegas, and it, the, the live draft is still going to happen, people. Uh, we'll, barring uh, COVID, uh, we'll see what happens here in the next three weeks. But otherwise, everything else is going online, so you can draft actually online your team for the main event right now if you register with the FFPC. Uh, it's a really fun event, and uh, you know I really enjoy playing with those guys. Okay, let's uh, make sure that you check out, of course, our website, ffmastermind.com. We have lots of free information on there, including our free uh, NFL quick bits with all the injuries and stuff on there, lots of trackers, information, uh, free eye in the sky scanner reports. Uh, we're releasing them almost pretty much on a daily basis now uh, in August, including those on the Colts from Chris Rito. And, of course, we're updating our uh, master's list, customizable cheat sheet, our MCP board, our executive draft master uh, software for drafts. Uh, all that stuff is for premium subscribers. And, and then, of course, our draft guide includes our perfect drafts. And version four of that guide has been released. It was last Friday, 493 pages. It's going to be like 550 or so at the end. Uh, we have to twenty, like I said, twenty-four articles here, and, and Chris Rito produced several articles, including uh, the tricks of the trade during uh, COVID-19. A lot of other COVID-19-related articles are very interesting and, and basically must-reads for here. The guide is nineteen ninety-five online. Our summer rates are Pro Bowl package forty-nine ninety-five. That's everything uh, except our executive master software. You don't need that. Uh, if you do, then everything is fifty-nine ninety-five Super Bowl package. And please visit me at, and, and follow me on Twitter at FF Mastermind. Okay, top 10 fantasy tight ends for 2020 in PPR system. Who are your top three and why, Chris? Okay, well, the top three probably aren't surprising. You start with Kelsey, the obvious top choice on the board. You better be prepared to spend a high second rounder or better to get him, though. Uh, he's as sure a thing as Riz. I went and look at some stats. Four straight years of over 1,100 yards. Tony Gonzalez, the guy who replaced, only topped 1,000 yards four times in his 17-year Hall of Fame career. He's averaging 100 catches, 1,300 yards, and eight touchdowns a, a year with Mahomes. He could actually be a wide receiver one in league to consider tight ends wide receiver. It's just ridiculous. Number two is George Kittle. I mean, and despite those gaudy stats I just gave you for Kelsey, Kittle's really not as far behind as you might think. The one thing in Kittle's favor is that this is another season without significant competition for targets in San Francisco, and he was posting these comparable numbers on a fraction of Kelsey's targets. This year, he also has the second most favorable schedule for PPR tight ends this season on paper. So this is the go-to player, a solid number two in leagues where tight ends are wide, and wide receivers are the same. And neither of these guys are surprising to be up at the top. Kittle could even overtake him possibly if he gets some more targets in that Kelsey range. And number three is Zach Ertz. He's every bit the target monster that Kelsey and Kittle are. He actually has the most targets among tight ends the last two seasons. And this year, he and Goddard have the best schedule for PPR tight ends going in. So the one concern for years was that he didn't score touchdowns, but he's been pretty good at that for three years now too. So the bigger concern, the reason he stays at number three here, is he's got a little bit of a history of getting dinged, as does his quarterback, and a really good young tight end, Dallas Goddard, with whom he shares targets, especially red zone targets. 
Okay. Uh, well, uh, I don't know what to say about this because I'm going to go over my top five here, but my top three exact same as you, Kelsey, Kittle, and Ertz for the exact same reasons. Uh, you know, I love Ertz, and if it wasn't for Dallas Goder, then, uh, yeah, uh, he would be possibly maybe even number one or two on this list. Number four for me is Mark Andrews out of, out of Baltimore. Uh, I can't believe that this guy was looking back at it last year. He averaged about 48% of the snaps, playing 48% of the snaps. Uh, well, Mark Andrews is mostly a pass-catching tight end, not a blocker. And the Ravens, of course, like to run the ball a lot. And early downs, a lot of times, they rotate their their, uh, their tight ends. But I still have him catching 67 balls this year, eight for 870 yards and nine scores. Probably might score the most touchdowns of any of the top five uh, tight ends on the list. But uh, he comes in at number four because, uh, you know, if he doesn't catch 70 passes in a PPR system, you're not going to finish top three. Um, number five on my list is Darren Waller out of Vegas here. Uh, get a good up close shot of him because if we're right here in town with him uh, he's had a very good camp this year uh, he's going to catch a lot of balls he doesn't score very much I think he's going to score once or twice more you know I've still got him almost a thousand yards about 80 catches and four scores this this, this year I think Witten might steal, steal an opportunity to score one or two balls from him here but still uh, Darren Waller's a top five guy and a very solid tight end one for me uh, what about the rest of your top five Chris Actually, at number four, I've got a new name here, Evan Ingram. The only knock on this guy is that he can't seem to stay on the field. He's missed half the games each of his last two years. But when he plays, he's every bit as solid a points-per-game guy as there is at the position. I like the new offensive staff, Jason Garrett and Freddie Kitchens. They each bring in ideas derived from very tight end-friendly offenses. So I'm optimistic his opportunities may even increase this year. And the maturation of the young quarterback will help this guy, I think, be a potentially special player. And I think the best guy from deeper in the rankings – that has the chance to break into elite fantasy territory. Again, if he can just stay healthy all season. And number five, I've got Waller, uh, Darren Waller. You know, you can ask, was he a one-hit wonder? He only had 18 catches for a four-year career total before exploding for 90 last year. Um, I'm less concerned about that as I am with the fact that the Raiders added a lot of potential competition for targets. Several rookies, Graybeard, Jason Witt, you mentioned, who I do think will keep Waller's touchdowns low again this year because of that. He's got a high catch rate so that Derek Carr trusts him. And while I do suspect a dip from last year, I can't really say he's a one-hit wonder because I think he's finally, you know, straight from the neck up and being used by a coach in the way that his skills merit. I think he's going to be good, just not quite as good as last year. Okay. Uh, well, let's look at my number six through eight here. Number six, Evan Ingram. And, in fact, uh, compared to a lot of other people I've been talking about this, uh, I apparently uh, am high on Ingram, and I'm like, I'm like you. Uh, if he can just play, stay healthy and play 16 games, I think is he's a lock, basically. And I've got him conservative over the year, 63 catches, 750 yards, and five scores. And that puts him number six on my list. Uh, a lot of other people are like, well, what about uh, Hunter Henry or Higby or Cook or Gronk? You know, and I'm like, well, they're on my list too. But, uh, you know, I like Evan Ingram as number six right now. Speaking of number seven, Hunter Henry, uh, he might even be top five if Phil Rivers was still there. But, of course, the situation has changed. Rivers is now in Indianapolis. you got Tyrod Taylor and Justin Hebert, uh is the rookie, is going to be the quarterback for the Chargers. Yet uh, the wide receiver core is not exactly the thinnest. I mean, not exactly the, 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 the best. Uh, besides Keenan Allen there. Mike Williams is now dinged. I think Hunter Henry is going to get a lot of targets. So I have him almost 70 catches, 700 yards, and four scores. That puts him in number seven on my book. And number eight, uh, uh, Tyler Higby, a little bit of a worry here only because he kind of, you know, came out of nowhere to really, you know, produce for the the Rams and helped 
a lot of people win a lot of money in the FFPC late last year, but he hasn't really had a whole season under his belt of producing that kind of thing, those kind of things. But still, we know that Jerry Goff likes him. I got him at number eight here. What about the rest of your top ten, Chris? Uh, number six, I've got Mark Andrews, and I know this is lower than most people. I know part of the competition for tight end targets was sent to Atlanta, but the bigger concern for me is the very low target rate and the, and the high touchdown dependency of his fantasy scoring, especially for this being a PPR league list. I mentioned before we talked about quarterbacks. I believe the Ravens' offense just won't support the kind of touchdown pass rate again in 2020, so Andrews just might not get as many scoring chances. And if they add a red zone target like a guy like Des Bryant they've rumored recently or something like that, I think his chances can drop a little more. To me, the risk of regression makes him likely not worth the draft capital you're going to have to spend to get him unless you're in a touchdown-heavy league. Uh, number seven, I've got Hunter Henry. Uh, much like Ingram, he's been a beast on the field. He's had trouble staying there recently. He's also been a high touchdown scorer like Andrews, but he's been a big yardage guy and a very high yard per catch, so he's not as touchdown dependent. The downside is that the high-volume passing offense is going to get replaced with a little more ball controlled one this year, so there might not be as many balls in the air. Still, his target share should be decent, despite having target hogs at wide receiver and running back, and this uncertainty in his injury history may let him come as a high-risk, high-reward value on draft day, in my opinion. Uh, next guy I got is Hayden Hurst. Uh, he's moving out of one of the best tight end, or moving into, excuse me, one of the best tight end friendly situations, finally getting a chance to shine after sharing time with Mark Andrews, former first rounder who was usurped when he got injured as a rookie. The guy's got talent and just hasn't had a chance to show it. I actually think he's a better talent than Austin Hooper, who he replaces, and he steps into that exact same system and situation. I expect a nice season and a draft day value. Number nine, I've got Mike Gesicki. Uh, Gesicki quietly had a very good finish in 2019, scored five times the last six games, and was actually targeted more than Kelsey during that time, finishing as t- tight end number seven in the last six games. He's coming into that magical third year. they got numerous Dolphin wide receiver options, opting out Wilson and Hearns, or potentially slow at the start, Preston Williams coming off of injury. I think he's in a great position to make a big jump using his freakish thigh-speed combo. And number 10, I've got Austin Hooper. Um, I've watched some games for the Falcons over the last few years, and I'm, I'm somewhat of a skeptic of Hooper's top 10 fantasy seasons. Uh, I'm not sure that they aren't more a function of the system, like I just mentioned, for, for Hayden Hurst, uh, rather than his innate skill. But moving to a lesser system with even more competition for targets has me concerned that the top 10 numbers might not be in the offing. But I, I really can't rank him any lower based on his history, and more importantly, the price Cleveland paid to get him for their offense. I do think he has the best chance of a drop-off amongst the top options in, in, in the top ten, though. Okay. Uh, well, let's see. I'm looking at the rest of my top ten here, and uh, I've got Jared Cook out of uh, New Orleans at uh, number nine. Uh, you know, he got off to a slow start last year with Drew Brees and such, and Brees got injured then. But when Brees came back, uh, then uh, they really heated up. Um, I've got him catching over 50 balls, 700 yards, five scores here. I think he's uh, become a, a solid, a big part of that passing game, even with the addition of Emmanuel Sanders. I think Jared Cook's going to get his. And at number 10 here, i got the old man, Gronk, I know, Rob Gronkowski. Uh, I know that uh, people have been talking, saying AJ, O.J. Howard has been flashing in camp, and that's true and all, but we all know that Tom Brady, when, it, when he really needs a, a pass, uh, delivered and caught. He knows that he's going to look for, for either Edelman or Gronk, and guess what? Edelman's now a Patriot, still a Patriot, and Tom Brady now is a Buccaneer along with Gronk. I've got him catching over 50 balls, about 680 yards, just a, a scotch under uh, Cook with five scores, so I don't think he's going to come anywhere close to, to setting the world on fire and doesn't have a shot at the top five here, 
I still think that Gronk is worthy of a top ten ranking here, at least in, uh, you know, going into the situation in Tampa when we know that there's going to be a lot of passing going on there, and I think he is going to be the number one tight end for, for the Bucks. So let's uh, take a look at a couple of guys that are underrated uh, on your list, Chris, as well as overrated. Or, uh, you know, so let's start with the underrated to begin with. Well, I'm going to start with TJ Hawkinson. I mean, he's being terribly underrated due to his injury at Stafford's last year, while other guys with longer injury history are not really being downgraded that much. He's a ludicrous talent. He showed that he figured it out early as a rookie last year, like rookie tight ends never do. Uh, he and Stafford are both back. They're primed for a big offensive year with a terrible defense, prompting a high-volume passing game in Detroit. He can and should be drafted as a number two with huge number one upside in any scoring system, and he's looking great in camp so far. He's been uncoverable. Granted, it's the Lions secondary, and they can't cover anybody anyway, but, but he's been looking pretty good in camp. And then I kind of like John New Smith. Uh, he's sort of like Hayden Hurst in that he's a high draft choice that's been in a great tight end friendly system, but kind of being held back by splitting time, in his case with an established guy, Delaney Walker. He's very explosive after the catch, should catch a ton more balls with Walker and his 100 targets a year gone. He's another guy to be drafted as a tight end, too, that has low-end tight end one potential, although, to be fair, he does face one of the toughest schedules for tight ends this season based on last year's stats. Okay, I'm going to mention a couple of sleepers that I like this year at tight end. Uh, Noah Fant, uh, I think he's a very talented uh, tight end. He's entering his second year. Uh, Didn't get much playing time early last year, but when they moved Drew Locke into the uh, starting role there, uh, he made some big plays, some catches, and and, and scored a few times there. So I think uh, think he's very underrated right now, a nice sleeper. And once again, just like in terms of Hawkinson or Smith, somebody that you can draft as a two and possibly get number one numbers from. And, of course, Hayden Nurse, everybody knows the nurse uh, signed with Atlanta to replace Austin Hooper. So he's going in a perfect situation where the quarterback, Matt Ryan, loves to target his big tight end, and Hurst is a big body. Uh, he may not be quite as talented as Austin Hooper, but uh, if he stays healthy, I know he disappointed in Baltimore, but he's going to have all this opportunity. I really like him there. And once again, I think this is somebody you could possibly draft as a two especially in the FFPC scoring system where tight ends go early. Uh, Hayden Hurst is a solid two in that situation. How about a couple of overrated guys you're not crazy about uh, and why at tight end uh, in 2020, Chris? Well, I'm going to go with your number nine and number 10 tight ends, uh, Jared Cook and Rob Gronkowski. Again, I do think they're both going to put up decent numbers, solid numbers. They're both, for PPRs, I don't think either one of them is going to get the target share that they need to be, to be a tight end number one. I'll start with Cook. You know, like you mentioned, he went on the tight end, or touchdown scoring spree last year, had a career-high nine, but it's precisely this TD dependency that has me concerned for a PPR league. He was actually 16th in targets at the position, the same as fading vets like Eifert and Jimmy Graham, and literally half as many as fellow Graybeard Jason Witten. When you have a career year by far at age 33 on very few targets, it doesn't sound to me like a recipe for sustainability, so I don't want to draft him at a number one like this is where you'd have to draft him based on ADP. And then Gronkowski, yeah, he's an elite talent. Yeah, he's close to Brady, a trusted option. But, you know, he's not played in two years. He's got to adjust to the heat and humidity in Tampa a little bit after being a northern guy. The bigger concern is he does have to compete for targets with not one but two Pro Bowl receivers and some other talented tight ends on the roster. I see him being drafted as a number one in PPRs, but I would not do that except in scoring heavy or touchdown or scoring only systems. Again, number two with upside, especially week to week but not a guy I would take as my starter, whereas ADP says you have to take him if you want him. 
Okay. Uh, I'm going to mention uh, the opposite of what you've done here. You did overrated guys uh, early in draft situation. I'm going to take, uh, take a look at a couple of guys that I really have no plans to draft at all in any, uh, any situation. These guys are going to go late in your draft, but I would take uh, you know, a, lot of, a lot of different other tight ends rather than these guys uh, to, as my number two or even number three tight end if you're drafting FFPC style. Ian Thomas in Carolina really hasn't done anything. Uh, people said, well, well, he's going to be a replacement of Greg Olson, and he's, he's kind of talented and all. Well, you know, uh, what does he have, like one score? I don't know. He He's not done much, and he's got a new quarterback. He's going to be catching passes from Teddy Bridgewater, who's very talented himself, but they got to develop chemistry there. This is uh, already a, a team with very good receivers in D.J. Moore, Curtis Samuel, now Robbie Anderson. Uh, Ian Thomas, I just don't see there, there's going to be very many opportunities. You're probably going to get more games of two for 22 rather than, Three for 50 and a score. Uh, the other guy, you've already mentioned him, Jimmy Graham, uh, old uh, bad knees himself. Uh, well, I, I've got a lot to prove in Chicago. Yeah, come on. Come on, Jimmy. You know, when was the last time you were relevant? About five years ago. <laughs> Okay, now you're in Chicago. You probably are going to start there and all, but now you got Mitch Turbinski targeting you. Good luck. That's all i got to say about that. He's off my board. I'm not even touching him. Anyway, we want to thank everyone for joining us this week. Uh, for Chris Rito, this is Mike Nazarek. We'll see you all next week when Fantasy Sleepers and Creepers are previewed. This is probably going to be one of our most popular preseason uh, uh, podcasts uh, of any year. Uh, and so the mark that on your calendar next Tuesday, it looks like it's probably going to be at the same time, 6, 6 p.m. Eastern time, before we move to our regular 11 p.m. Eastern time on Tuesday night for week one in two weeks. Very excited about it. Anyway, good night and good luck to everybody drafting this week. You've been listening to the Fantasy Football Mastermind Edge with your host, Michael Nazarak, the definitive fantasy football information and advice show. Join us next time on Blog Talk Radio. Until then, remember, there's no bragging rights for finishing second. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.